Thank you for those songs. Those were very appropriate. Yeah, go well with what I'll be sharing here this morning. The first song was about, Lord, I've shut the door in action on our part. And then the second was, <clears throat> a call out to God, teach me, teach me to love thee, teach me to see who you are, God. And uh, I just... Uh, Thought that goes well with, with uh, how our life really is. We have to shut the door, and God has to do the rest. Um, this morning, I'd like to continue on a message I uh, gave a couple of Sundays ago, titled "Unreasonable Grace." And for a passage, I'd like to read out of Romans 12. I'd like to read this through this fairly quickly as a, as a background. Go with all of, the, all of you who can, uh, if you'd like to stand for the, for the reading of the Word, that would be good. Romans 12, starting with verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as many... As we have many members in our body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our, on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints. Given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own, conce own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You may be seated. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So as an introduction again into the to the message, um, the pre in the previous message, I looked at uh, the the what I would call the prerequisites to to um, our present day, 
where we're at now. In other words, God's plan for man is in place. We are his workmanship. God has created us, as it says in Ephesians 2.10. We're created, we're created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's, as it says in Psalm 100. He has made us, not we ourselves. And then, of course, we're all familiar with death, the result of man's rebellious will. Due to, man's rebellious, due to man's rebellion and sin, death entered the human race. A sting came into the human race that's deadly and irreparable by any human attempts or design. We're eternally dead without Christ. But Ephesians 2, 1 says, you, you he made alive who are dead in trespasses and sins. Christ has made us alive. And then Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, not, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God extended his hand of healing to us, unmerited, freely given, and with great cost to the giver, so that we could be repaired, so that we could be made new, whole. Then we looked at salvation, how that God blessed us with salvation and forgiveness. I was listening to just a few words from a, a book that Clayton has by Randy Alcorn. Um, I don't even remember there were there was it was a sequel, but it's giving the the uh, conversation the what made Randy Alcorn's. Um, I guess rendition of what he would see the the, the forces of evil and good struggling um, one against the other, and, and then there was a uh, one of the demons in his conversation was talking about uh, this redeemer, this this the, the enemy he called him, and how that and and this was what especially stood out to me. He said, you "Just look at just look at that thief." That thief, he was he was a life's worth worth of work, and and there at the uh, there at the last at the last minute, um, it was all undone. We lost everything, and uh, that really stood out to me. How that that uh, it, it was said better than that, but it just stood out to me how that this battle is raging. Uh, it's going on. And whether we realize it or not, we're, we're the prize in this battle. Us as humans are the prize in this battle. And, and uh, God wants us for himself. And the devil would snatch us away. He would, he would uh, kill and destroy. He would take what is rightfully God's. But God wants us to have victory. It's not just about victory for us, but it's also victory for him. God wants us to have victory. He wants us for his own. He desires us. And uh, if we don't, if we ever 
think of God as the big man in the sky with the stick. I've heard that on job sites already. The man in the sky, he's going to see that. <clears throat> I've heard, and I've, I've, I've already felt that, I'll have to say, as a, in times in my life where I felt like, or thought of maybe as God as the man with the stick. But that's not the way God is. Not at all. Uh, his rod, he does have a rod as a staff. Um, he can punish, but it's all, all, always about bringing us to himself. It's always about uh, redemption, about healing, about renewal. So I'd like to read a few verses out of John, verse, uh, John chapter 10. And thinking about victory here, and thinking the steps of the steps and the and the means to victory. John verse ten, uh, John chapter ten, verse twenty-five. Saint John, Jesus answered them. I, Jesus answered them. I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So Jesus here was talking to the Pharisees, and they're they're asking him here by what authority and by what means uh, he can be expounding the truth, the words of God. And, and Jesus said, you believe not the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. What you've seen bear witness of me. And then verse 26, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I get a picture here of, of Christ being like a, being the, the, the protective shepherd. My mind immediately, when I was reading these verses, went to David, the shepherd boy in his testimony to, to Saul. And I don't believe David was coming up to Saul and saying, you know, Saul, look what I am. You know, I can do it. When Saul was asking him, how can you go up against Goliath? I don't, I don't believe that's how David came to him. But Saul, when, he came to, when, when David came to Saul and said, you know, somebody's got to take care of Goliath. Somebody's got to get rid of him here. We can't just let him take over and uh, intimidate the, the Israelites and the army of Israel. Somebody's got to confront this man and bring him to heel. And um, <clears throat> Saul was like, well, you can't, you know, you can't do anything. You're just a kid. You're just, you know, you're just, a, you know, a, a sapling, so as to speak, maybe. And, uh, and finally, David did convince him that he should go out against Saul. And, and um, let's listen to his, his uh, description of how he protected his sheep. 1 Samuel 17, 32, if you care to, to look at the scripture here. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. 
And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and I smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. I believe in David's heart and mind, Goliath wasn't something, wasn't a trophy out there to get. He wasn't like a big buck that you would go hunting after. He was, he was something that was intimidating his God's people. And, and David felt that keenly, he felt that in his heart. And he felt like, you know, going from experience, he had protected his sheep. He was able to protect his sheep from a lion and from a bear. And, and I don't believe these were just, cub, this wasn't just a cub bear in a, in a, in a kit or a kitten of a lion. I believe these were full mature animals that came to take the sheep. And they in fact had the sheep. And when an animal has blood in its mouth, uh, you don't easily reclaim its prize. Even a dog, your, your pet, you know, that's one thing to, to watch out for. You don't, we keep our children or, or caution our children from, you know, going into the, the dog bowl, especially with a young dog that's not really been trained well. Um, dog bowl and taking away some food or, or something he has because you, they may be well-trained, domesticated, but they're still going to be very protective of whatever's there, especially if it's a bone or, or something special for them. Well, here David, you know, he, he knew from experience he had got that sheep back after that line had it. He took it back away from him, rescued it, protected that helpless animal. And I'm sure that when he saw the, the Goliath here, it was that same feeling. You know, if God helped me get that sheep away, he knew he hadn't done that by his own strength. He knew that didn't happen because of himself. If God helped me get that sheep away, helped me get that bear away, he can, he can also help me get away this, uh, this uh, giant. Help me knock him out. Help me... Um, Make so he isn't intimidating my people anymore. And I see that in the heart of Christ here. No man, these were given to me. No man will pluck them out of my hand. They shall never perish. My sheep hear my voice. They, they trust me because I protect them. You believe not, he's talking to the Pharisees. You don't know my father. You don't know me. So you don't have my protection. But these sheep, they do. And my Father is greater than all. No man's hand is large enough to come against His. I see that protective heart of a shepherd in, in Jesus speaking to these, these cynical Pharisees. So I'm, I'm glad this morning I'm one of Christ sheep. I'm glad that that no man can pluck me out of his hand. No man can take me from his grace. 
He's much stronger than Shepherd David was. And that's grace. That's provision that God has given me, that I can be part of that sheepfold. I have an identity with Christ. And when I have that identity, I take that identity, I'm protected. And then we have a part to play, as always. Receiving grace calls for a full response. It's an active. I see it as something very active. There's a, there's a giving and then there's a response. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17 says this, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. Again, thinking of, speaking of identity here, given the identity of Christ, adoption, ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I believe that's a clear call for us to move towards Christ. You know, there's at best, there's at best a temporary merit in stepping out of sin. You know, if we're doing drugs and we decide, well, we're going to quit doing drugs or we're going to quit smoking or maybe quit overeating, um, that's, there's temporary merit in that. Discipline. There's, there's the, the rewards of, of whatever, whatever bad consequences there are. But there's eternal merit when we step out of the world's vessel and step into the into Christ's vessel, so as to speak. Christ's protection. That's what I believe separating ourselves means. It's not so much about us trying to figure out, well, what are we going to separate ourselves from? We're going to separate ourselves from this and that and that and so forth. I don't think that that's necessarily what Christ is calling or Paul was talking about there. I think it's more about when we take on the identity of Christ, we step into his fold, his sheepfold, so as to speak. And when that happens, the separation is natural. It's, it's not, uh, it comes naturally. It reminds me of when we were in Romania, there was a young man there, well, maybe a 14-year-old adolescent, that liked to hang around. And if he's listening to this, or if he does listen to this message, why, Lord bless you. Um, he, he would like to hang around with us, with the mission personnel. And um, he came from a somewhat dysfunctional home setting. He was quite trying to me, to be honest. I wasn't quite sure what to do with him sometimes. He'd do things like uh, we, had a, we had a vehicle that didn't have a working uh, gas gauge. So we would have to reset the mileage every time in that vehicle to make sure that we knew about time, when it was time to fill up with fuel again. Well, whenever he was in the vehicle, he'd always reset that thing. He just liked to do that. So we'd end up running out of fuel because we didn't know where we were at. He knew better. He knew that, he knew that us, it would do that. There were lots and lots of other ornery, ornery things that he would do. And, uh, but he, wanted to, he, he admired the young men at our mission there a lot, rode around with them a lot. 
And I saw change take place in this young man's life. You know, those, those where he was, came from, that he knew that's not what he wanted. That's not what, is, what was attracting him. That's not where he wanted to be. And where he was at, or where, when he was with these young men from our mission, was where he wanted to be. That's what was attracting him. And slowly his life started uh, changing. It took another shape. And with time, uh, the last time we visited there, I was surprised at this well-mannered young man that, that greeted us there. He was a different young fellow. And I pray to God he's staying faithful today and, and, uh, and serving Christ. <clears throat> but that's what happens, I believe, when we receive, when we receive uh, the grace of God, his identity, when we respond. We begin wanting to be like Christ. There's a desire to be like him, to be like his children, to be like his sheep. And sure, there's mistakes. There's orneriness that may be in our bones that aren't quite taken care of. Aren't, uh, you know, there may be sins that we're just not able to, to seem to get the best of. Maybe anger, bitterness, or other moral failure. And yet I believe as God works in our life, he forgives, He heals, He strengthens us, and as we are part of His sheepfold, we grow, we mature, we become more like Christ. We identify. And even sometimes those things that make us feel like, uh, as one songwriter put, make us feel like we've lost our halo. Um, even sometimes those things have a way of, of bring, making us humble and making us realize that we're totally dependent on our good shepherd. But in those times, I <clears throat> again urge you, in those times of failure, or whatever you may be facing, to again look at yourself not as a victim, but as a prize. A prize that either God or the enemy, the devil, will have someday. And God wants you. God desires you. He desires your, your soul. You are His. He's created you. Growing in grace. Maturing in grace. In Luke, it talks about Jesus as a child. It says he, the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And I, I, I pray that that can be the testimony, uh, that could be the testimony for all of us, the description for all of us. The child, uh, Derek, the child... Um, Gabriel, the child, and you can add your name to it, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. 
physical growth, spiritual growth, choosing the right paths. Knowledge avails, but the the uh, ability to to bring that knowledge into right action, I believe, is where wisdom comes into play, and that takes that takes. Uh, then dwelling of Christ in our lives, the leading of Christ in our lives. The grace of God crowned Jesus' life. And I believe the grace of God crowns our life as well when we focus on him, when we're part of his sheepfold. Grace, a place to be. A place to be. Second Peter 3.17 says, you therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Be steadfast. Seeing that you know these things, seeing that you know that there's going to be a lot of temptation and so forth out there. Beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. But stay in grace. Stay in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And grow in grace. Persevering in grace. Luke eleven nine to 13 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the, your heavenly Father give what? Something insignificant to those who ask him? No. How much more will your heavenly Father give the best he has to offer? The Holy Spirit to those, the Comforter to those who ask him. But I see here an element of us needing to persevere Seek, knock, and uh, ask. Persevering for grace. If any man seek wisdom, let him ask of God, to giveth, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. In James. In James also in, in James three thirteen. It talks about grace being manifested in the believer's life. Who is a wise man, a man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, 
without partiality and without hypocrisy. Who is, a wise, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Again, thinking of our response to God's grace. Our response manifests God's grace to others. The wisdom is, that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And I don't believe this is, these are fruits that we can put on. We can't read this first and as a carnal person decide, well, we're going to show these good works here. Purity, peaceableness, gentleness, easy, uh, ease to be entreated, mercy, good fruits. Uh, we can, I've seen people that, that uh, aren't Christians demonstrate many of these uh, attributes. But these are, but these are um, at the core from Christ. And, and as we get closer to that source, to that grace that, that Christ gives, the more naturally, I believe, these attributes will come. And sometimes it takes a lot of struggle yeah, maybe the Spirit of God points out to points out one of the, you know, a lack of one of these attributes out to us, one of these fruits, and we have to re- we come to realize that there's something there that's not allowing us, not letting us respond as Christ would have us to respond, and we have to deal with that. We have to uh, decide which is most important: my selfish desire, or or God's will for my response. So it's an action that we have to be prepared to take. Sanctification on a daily basis, you might say. I crucify my body daily, as Paul says. And then we have the grace to bless our fellow men. We've been given that grace. And all of these help us to live into victory, help us to become more like Christ and and help each other become more like Christ. The grace to bless our fellow men, that comes out of the passage we read, Romans 12. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering or teaching, goes on to say the different things that the different ways we can edify others distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality kindly affection to one another bless them which persecute you now that's ministering to those outside of the fellowship of saints rejoice with them that do rejoice weep with them that weep empathize be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Speaks to me of being willing to, well, that was stated in our Sunday school class this morning. <clears throat> Brother Ryan made this point that he noticed how Paul just reached out and talked to, ministered to people wherever they were at, whether Greek, Jew, Barbarian, 
He put them himself on their level and ministered. The message of Christ was unchanged. It was the same, but his way of, of reaching them sometimes changed. Sometimes, there, sometimes he spoke as an intellectual to an intellectual. Other times as a, as a barbarian, almost as a barbarian to a barbarian. He reached out, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Realize that all men need Christ. All men need encouragement. Be not wise in your own conceits. There is no wisdom outside of Christ. <clears throat> Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Grace, again, given to us by Christ to bless our fellow men. And then there's the very important, very important uh, part of gracious reward of the saints. Not just in this life, but in life to come. And I have this one titled, Flight to Heaven. Much better than any flight you've ever had on this earth or ever will have. Paul speaking in 1 Thessalonians 4, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Christ Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that, ye, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And uh, so I read this passage. I was impressed anew by the thought of rising to meet the Lord in the air. You know, all these saints of Christ, you know, just picture it. You, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know where the collecting place will be. You know, if we'll kind of zoom and there'll be kind of a coming together and this great throng, you know, getting closer and closer to each other in the air and and then going on up, I don't, I don't know, but I, I, I imagine it's going to be pretty spectacular, more spectacular of a flight than any of us have ever had, and a whole lot more fun than flying eight hours somewhere. Uh, that's not even a comparison. <clears throat> Meeting the Lord in the air. I think that's going to be possibly the most special time for the Christian to meet the Lord in the air, knowing that that uh, this life's race is done and we're with our loving shepherd. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. A place to live, no payment, no rent payment or mortgage to worry about, no worries about the light bill, a place to, to call home forever. In conclusion, grace given to mankind is 
or seems to me at least to be unreasonable that God would give that kind of grace to, to mankind. Forgiveness. The thief, you know, after living a life that was that was sinful, probably um, probably um, pushed on by the demons, directed by the demons, you know, found forgiveness there at the last minute on the cross. The free the free gift of adoption, the gift of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and so on. The gifts given us to, to live useful and fulfilled lives on this earth. And then the gift of eternal reward given to those who respond to God's call, who are his sheep. We are his. He has created us. And he wants us for himself. And he's given us grace to, to be there, to be in his sheepfold. God bless you. I'm going to ask for another song.